Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast, presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. We'll get you ready for the top high school football games in Lee and Collier counties each week with our analysis and predictions. Here are your hosts, the News Press's Adam Regan and the Naples Daily News's Adam Fisher. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Inside Southwest Florida Football, the podcast that tells you everything there is to know about high school football in Southwest Florida. It's week four of the high school football season. Believe it or not, this is episode five of this lovely podcast that you guys listen to every week. I'm your co-host, Adam Fisher, with the Naples Daily News, alongside my partner in crime, Mr. Adam Regan of the Fort Myers News Press. Adam Regan, what is happening? Not much, man. Uh, Just getting into week four. I heard your mom is a big listener of this podcast. Oh, she loves it, man. What's her name? Her name is Amy Fisher. She lives in Tampa. She loves it. She doesn't like when you talk, but she loves when I talk. Well, naturally. And oh, I think we're going to hear about in the question segment. I think your mom's a big uh, fan. Yeah, there's going to be a lot, a, a lot of mom talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I look forward to it. So let's get into it. First, let's talk about the week that was. Week three had some big victories. A handful of undefeated teams, a lot here in Lee County. Who we got that's still unbeaten up here? We've got six teams that are still undefeated in Lee County, and I'm going to run through them and then historically where they sit because a couple of them haven't been undefeated in a really long time. So we got Riverdale, obviously our surprise team of the year. I think a surprise to the community, maybe not the the coaches community in Southwest Florida. I think they knew Riverdale was going to be pretty good. The last time they were 3-0 and was under Coach Scott Jones was 2005 and they finished the season 10 and 2. Oh wow. Then you got Fort Myers who I think nobody is really surprised that they're undefeated. Last time they started the season 3 and 0, 2014, and they started the season 3 and 0 in 2011, 2012, 2013, and then as I said in 2014. Most recently when they went 3 and 0 in 2014, they went 12 and 1, lost their final game of the season in the regional final to Eastlake. Then we got Cape Coral Under first-year coach Dale Moore, the last time they were undefeated to start the season, first three games, was 2014. They went to a region semifinal and lost to Island Coast. And then you have Mariner. 2012 was the last time they were 3-0, and they finished the season 3-7. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, it wasn't a good end to the season Gotta avoid that one for the Tritons. And then over in Hendry County, you've got LaBelle, who beat Clewiston for the first time in, since 2007, a big win over their rival. So that was a huge win for them. And when LaBelle is good, man, they're a pretty tough team at home. So watch out for LaBelle moving forward. And then you have Oasis, who just moved to 11-man football last season. They're 3-0. They've never been 3-0 in 11-man football. Well, as I said last week, they're the best second-year 11-man football team in all of Lee County. And I stand by that. Let's go down to Collier County. We've got three undefeated teams, three of our 11. Only one of them at 3-0. and That's Golden Gate. Um, they've only been 3-0 and once in school history. That was 2010. Now, of course, school history only dates back to 2004. Uh, never been 4-0, and so if they can win this week, uh, that would be a school record for a, a, the best start. St. John Newman and First Baptist, both 2-0, and and that's happened many times. Well, not many times. St. John Newman um, was 2-0 and last year. First Baptist, as you know, has been to the playoffs tons of times. Other than that, that, that's all we got. Call your county. But then we'll go to the flip side, and then we've got a couple surprising 0-3 teams in Lee County. Dunbar is 0-3, and the last time they started 0-3 was 2014, 
and they ended up going to 0-4, which is a possibility possibility. with a game against Immokalee this week. And you got South Fort Myers, who's 0-3, worst start in school history. It's not a long history, but it's the worst start in school history. And that's kind of surprising because they they've won a ton, but the first season I think they only went one and nine, right? Correct, but they won their second game of the <laughs> oh, okay. season. Gotcha. Well, the big surprise in Collier County is Immokalee at zero and three. As you mentioned, Immokalee and Dunbar play this week, and so you've got three teams that are three of the top five probably powers in this area: in Immokalee, Dunbar, South Fort Myers. The other two would be Fort Myers, Naples. But three of those teams are zero and three combined, zero and nine. Immokalee and Dunbar play each other. South Fort Myers plays Fort Myers. A real possibility that two were, of those teams dropped to 0-4. Yeah, if you're Brian Kahn and South Fort Myers, you're staring 0-4 in the face. It's, it's looking right at you unless a lot of things change for them. Well, a team in Collier County that, that I think has been a bit surprising, that is not undefeated but could be very easily, is Baron Collier at 2-1. and one. Big victory last week. They go into Immokalee. They win 44-33 to to improve to 2-1. and one. Now, that one loss is when they had a two-touchdown lead two weeks ago and lost by a point to uh, Clearwater Superior Collegiate. So I think Baron Collier's impressing people. And they finished this week. They did. Uh, yep. They had trouble finishing in their first two games. They beat Regis Jesuit out of Aurora, Colorado, and then they couldn't finish against Superior Collegiate. But against Immokalee, they closed the door on them pretty good. Yeah, so they were up early, and then Immokalee comes back, as Immokalee does, breaks off some big uh, touchdown runs and passes. Uh, but then Baron Collier, yeah, scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. I believe both of them Drew Powell runs. And Drew Powell ran for over 200 yards behind that big, big, big offensive line for the Cougars there. Did he not have five TDs? Was that? I think four TDs. Four TDs. Yeah. He looked real good. I mean, the other team I mentioned in Collier County, the game I was at, Golden Gate, and you want to talk about huge rushing performances. I don't know if you saw, but Jovinsley Bazile for Golden Gate, 49 carries. I gave you an over-under of 250 all-purpose yards last week, and you went over, and you were correct, right? Well, here's the yeah. thing is you uh, you asked me, and I listened to this last week specifically, over-under 250 yards. I said, oh, God, I got to take the under because the I law of averages. right? Right. So – at the game, I was keeping stats. I had him for 53 carries for 250 yards. Officially, now we're on the sidelines trying to keep stats and video and everything, so my stats are not 100% accurate. According to the school's official box score, Javinsley Bazile had 49 carries for 273 yards. So he did go over. Over. He did. For the second week in a row, he went over 250 yards. He was a beast, and the reason was Golden Gate was, was without their top two quarterbacks. Ryan Magel. Jay Harrard, and, and we'll hear a little bit about them later when I talk to uh, Coach Mike DeGrigley in our coach's corner. But so they just fed Bazil, and he just took the ball, and he just ran. So 49 carries for 273 yards. What about this week coming up? we got some big week four matchups. We'll get you ready for those after this break. Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at naplesnews.com news-press.com and by downloading the Naples Daily News and the News Press apps onto your mobile devices. And welcome back to Inside Southwest Florida Football. We're going to talk about the top games this week in Lee and Collier County and give a little bit of analysis. Adam? Yes, sir. Thoughts? What's the big game this week, do you think? I mean, the big game is still got to be a mockley at Dunbar, even though there is not a single victory between those teams this year. That is such a big game because both these teams can still make the playoffs easily. You win this game and you're set up to 
win this district, although it's a much more competitive district this year, as we've talked about. We'll get to Mariner and Cypress League a little later. Correct. Those district. are two teams that we, we both like and think they can compete in that district. Even with the new playoff system, a district championship still gets you in the playoffs automatically. So I think that's the big game. I think it'll be the best game. I am looking at Bishop Rowe and First Baptist, but we can talk about that later. I think that this game is going to be the battle of the big plays. Mm-hmm. I've seen Dunbar the last two weeks, and the only way they can score is on a big play. And two of those were Seneca Millage kick returns. Stop kicking the stop ball kicking to Seneca. Stop kicking him the ball. <laughs> Dunbar has one offensive touchdown in three games. And it was Seneca Millage. Right, and the two others were Seneca Millage, uh, kickoff or punt returns. So I talked to James Delgado, the coach of Riverdale, and I asked him, I said, why are you kicking to Seneca Millage? And he said, we practice all week not kicking to him. <laughs> and what there. happened, they, they kicked to him, and he returned it. So I don't know if Seneca Millage is going to get any more kicks to him this year. Yeah, I think it's going to be the battle of the big plays, whoever hits the most of those big plays, because I don't think these two teams can really sustain long drives. Mariner at Cypress Lake, an interesting Class 5A District 12 game. Cypress Lake is 2-1, and one, played Fort Myers very tough last they week. Did. And then you have Mariner coming off a bye, who is 2-0. and oh. I think the big question in this game is, will Mariner, all-everything athlete, Rashawn Hunter, stay hot? He's got 10 touchdowns for the first two games. Cypress Lake's going to have to figure out a way to stop this kid because he is electric. He's electric, and Cypress Lake, as you said, coming off a loss, they lost 48-27 to to Fort Myers last week, but a game that I think was closer than that until the fourth quarter. You know, they were within 28-20. to Fort Myers just has too much talent, too many athletes, whereas I think in Mariner, you can probably focus on Rashawn Hunter and then stop them a little bit better than you could focus on one guy at Fort Myers and stop them. And then with Cypress Lake, you've got Kelsey Demps, right. who is a big play machine. He had three touchdowns last week. But also they've got a returning starter at quarterback in C.J. Shedd, who threw for 224 yards last week against Fort Myers. And then you've got Chris Joseph, who is also a guy who can make big plays. But can they make enough against Mariner, who's going to practice ball control? They will hit you know, a big Rashawn Hunter play probably once or twice in this right. game, but really they want to slow the game down and keep the ball out of the hands of Kelsey Dumps. And again, that is a, a district game, so very important, even more so towards the playoff standings. Another big game, I guess it's a rivalry, you tell me, Adam, with the Fort Myers at South Fort Myers. Is, is that a big deal up here? I think it is a big deal with the kids – Record-wise this year, I don't think anybody's really expecting right. South Fort Myers to come out and beat Fort Myers, but still, it's a city rivalry game. The kids get up for it. So, yeah, I would say it's a rivalry game. In this game, you got Fort Myers, as we said, coming off a win over Cypress Lake. Willie Neal, the quarterback for Fort Myers, 360 yards of total offense. He's a guy that is going to make a huge impact into the playoffs Fort Myers goes as he goes. And, and South Fort Myers has had trouble. Well, they've had trouble everywhere, really. Um, but defensively, last week they gave up 27 to Lehigh, but Cheney ran for 195 yards on them. South Fort Myers only had 82 yards of offense. 18 rushing yards. That's tough. And that's with Freddie Ward as their right. running back, and who's a very good running he is. back. Yeah, he's supposed to be one of the top ones in the county this year. So it's going to be tough. I think South Fort Myers is staring down 0-4, but, you know, we'll get to predictions later. In Collier County, we've got one Collier matchup, at least an inter-county matchup. We've got Naples at Gulf Coast. Not necessarily a big rivalry. Anytime a team from the county, a public school, plays Naples, they get excited about it. Gulf Coast has never beaten Naples. 
I think Gulf Coast has looked better than we expected. Even last week, they played a tough Miami Monsignor Pace team and only lost by two points. Didn't they get they got stopped on fourth down in Monsignor Pace territory late in the game? They were driving. They just couldn't finish. It was a back-and-forth game. I don't know that Gulf Coast had the lead in the second half, but they were within a few points a couple times. So showed a lot, especially for a young team. Justin Matia, their quarterback, looked good again. Luke Baker caught another touchdown pass. I think he has 25 I'm just kidding. I made that number up. But he has a lot of touchdown receptions. And Naples coming off a bye, too, so they're well-rested. Anthony Henderson, is he, he's the running back at Gulf Coast? He's their running back, yep. Yep. 200 yards and two touchdowns in that area. Yeah, they were able to move the ball, which is that was my concern for them because they have so many new pieces on offense. So far, they've been looking good under Tom Scalise. But again, Naples... Well-rested. Ches Malusi is coming off a 200-yard game. Again, Gulf Coast never beaten Naples. Well, then we're going to stay in Collier County. Baron Collier facing another out-of-area team, St. Pete Lakewood. You talked about Drew Powell and the game he had last week. Can he do it again? You know, as long as they keep blocking well up front, I think he can, especially since they have a, a competent quarterback in Jason Grimes and a, a very dangerous receiver in Jaden Roll. And Jaden Roll, we thought, would be the star this year. I and mean, I think defenses are, are looking to stop him, and that opens it up, you know, in the running game for Drew Powell. Their defense is going to be a little bit tested, but they did fairly well last week against a, a dangerous Amakla team. But Lakewood, it's a St. Pete team. They're going to be bigger. They're going to have bigger players and even more players than, than Amakla. So Lakewood, they're 2-1. and one this season but they've been outscored 71 to 62 this season wow so i'm not too sure how good lakewood is and another thing about baron collier is i was very surprised to see how big those tackles were yeah joseph landry 6'2 290 right and then you have elkenhan tanellis that's pretty good yeah 6'3 295 i had no idea there's some big linemen in southwest florida this year and coaches love that they love those big beefy guys who can you know create some space for the running backs so Baron Collier could be in for a big season I just I just had no idea I was very shocked to see that uh, again I was shocked too but if they can win this game they're at home uh you move to three and one that that's pretty impressive uh another big game we got on the small school level we've got Moorhaven at St. John Newman this is a game that uh, would have been a really good game last year Newman went undefeated before having to forfeit some games, as I'm always reminded on Twitter, for using an ineligible player. Moorhaven went undefeated in the regular season as well. On the field. On the field, correct. But Moorhaven lost to John Cox, who was their do-everything quarterback, and he ran for 1,700 yards last year. It's going to be a good one, and these teams are in the same region. They're in a Class 2A, so these teams are going to be battling for playoff spots, playoff seedings. Going to be a very good contest. Yeah, this will be a really good test for St. John Newman. I don't don't care if if people think that for – that Moorhaven is down this year. They're a tough team. They'll, they'll try to run it down your throat. So it, it could be a good test for Damon Jones this week. Well, that's going to do it for our week four analysis. In the next segment, Adam Fisher will talk to Golden Gate coach Mike DeGrigley. They're undefeated. Should be a good convo. We'll be right back. Have your say on which high school football matchup should be the game of the week. The News Press and Naples Daily News staffs will select three games in each county and your votes on news-press.com, naplesdailynews.com, or the mobile apps will determine which is the game of the week. For this week's coaches interview, I was able to go down to Golden Gate High School and catch up with eighth-year head coach Mike DeGrigley. He's got this team riding high. They're 3-0 for just the second time in school history. Looking to go 4-0 for the first time ever. Let's hear what Coach D had to say. 
I'm here with Golden Gate High School football head coach, and I'm going to let you introduce yourself because I've worked with you for eight years, but I've heard your name pronounced three or four different ways. Settle it right now, Coach D. How do you pronounce your last name? My last name is Mike D. Grigoli. That's how you say it. I mean, you could enunciate it and say D. Grigoli, but D. Grigoli is the standard way of pronouncing it. Great. That's the way I've been saying it, so that makes me feel a lot better. So, Coach D, tell me about this year's team because Golden Gate is 3-0. and ties the best start in school history and you've talked a lot just about this big senior class just what has been key to this 3-0 start so far well the key is regaining and retaining players over the last four years so we have 27 seniors in this class and we were able to regain some of them that had either not played a year or two in the middle of this process or have come back to us we haven't lost too many kids over the four years and so we have a senior laden class which is the direct result of the success we've had early. And you've talked a lot about living up to your potential. A very talented group. You've got some stars on the senior class. Just what is the potential? What can these kids accomplish this season? We don't have any set goals besides just reaching full potential. Full potential is to play to the best of our ability on every single snap and every single game and, and every individual player. And that accumulation will add up to a full team effort, and that's what we're looking for. You guys came into the season with big expectations, weren't shy about admitting that, how talented this group was, that this could be the year for you, and now you've won three in a row. I mean, with every win, are those expectations getting bigger, or, or is the pressure getting bigger on this team that hasn't really won a lot of games in the past few years? I think it changes week to week, just like any other high school team. We deal with, first and foremost, the injury report. That, ha that has a lot to do with how we play each week, prevent some adverse situations, but... You know, each situation has a meaning and a reason behind it. And uh, right now we're, we're able to play other people in other positions and start to develop depth because of a couple losses that we had injury-wise. And so we're looking at those things in a positive way. We feel like we're on the same track that we started. We're on a positive track, obviously reach full potential and continue to have the best year in school history. Now you brought up the injuries. I got to ask you, two of the biggest injuries last week you played without both your quarterbacks. You had uh, Ryan uh, Magel. Is that my saying that? Ryan Magel, yes. Magel and uh, Jay Harrard switching there, kind of taking snaps. Both were out last week. You still were able to get a victory. Just tell me the situation this week. If we, we will see uh, Ryan, I know Jay's probably out for a lot longer. What are we going to see at quarterback this week against Fort Meade? Right, well, there's no secrets. There's no reason to try to um, not let people know, you know what's happening on the in inside of the program. Jay Harrard broke his fibula and he had surgery on Monday. He will be in a cast for three weeks, and uh, we hope to get him back by the end of the season. Obviously, that'll depend on uh, how he heals and the recovery and rehab time. Ryan Magel, he had injured his hand, non-throwing hand, and uh, he is week to week. So we don't know if we're going to get him back this week, if we're going to hold him out and have him ready for next week, but he will be back sooner than later. That has presented a challenge. Obviously, we came into last week with only two days of preparation. Uh, Monday was, was kind of tricky because of the holiday. We had Daryl Lusma play quarterback for the first time. And we basically were limited on what we could do. So we felt good about what we did. We were able to play some, some solid defense and have some big plays on special teams. And most importantly, we were able to snap the ball and control the football. You know, we were a little bit limited in what we ran. We were pleased to be able to go through that situation, stay together as a team, handle it with a lot of confidence. And the guys, again, I think were able to grow from that because they were able to play through another adverse situation that they weren't expecting. It's a tough district down here in Collier County. You got four teams, including you guys. Three of them made the playoffs last year, so you'd have to get through those three playoff teams to win the district. What are your thoughts on that? In the big scheme of football, 
we definitely know that turnovers are key and penalties are key. And if we can continue to get better at not turning the ball over, creating turnovers and minimizing penalties, we can play with anybody. And it's going to come down to who's playing well, who's playing well together, whose team's got the, the least amount of injuries. You know, that's what it comes down to in this game. Well, you got a few more weeks to worry about those district games. Got Fort Meade this week and homecoming. Coach D, thanks for taking time for us and best of luck the rest of the way. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Naples Daily News. Look forward to it. And again, thank you to Coach Mike DeGrigley for sitting down with me. If you want to follow his Titans and see how they do this week, if they can hit 4-0 for the first time ever, go to naplesnews.com slash prepzone. We'll be right back with our question segment. After the games each week, go to naplesnews.com, news-press.com, or our apps on your mobile device for photos, videos, and analysis from games throughout Southwest Florida. And we're back. It's our favorite part of the podcast, the part where we get to interact with the fans. We're going to take your questions. And we got some great questions this week. I'm looking forward to answering them. Where should we start? Let's start here in Immokalee, where I got a question from Joe D. Grinder at underscore jmoney239 underscore on Twitter. He says, do you think football is down in Southwest Florida compared to years past? Good question. What do you think? Well, I think the reason that Joe is asking this question is because of what we talked about, the traditional powers losing some games early in the season. You got South Fort Myers, who's 0-3, Dunbar, who's 0-3, Immokalee, who's 0-3. I think that this is more scheduling. I think the FHSA's new playoff system, which is now two years old, it's not so new anymore, are forcing teams to schedule, good teams to schedule other good teams, and weaker teams to schedule weaker teams. So Immokalee, for example, they schedule University School, who's a very good 4A team. They're going to get some points with that loss, even though – it wasn't a very pretty loss. I think these games are important early in the season for playoff seedings, whereas in past seasons they were not. You're right. You're right. It was only district games in the past. I don't know if football is down. What I think is the teams are more bunched together. There's no superpower. You know, we don't see a state championship caliber team, I don't think. We have some pretty good teams. But as you said, six undefeated teams in Lee County. In Clark County, however, our teams, our 11 teams, are combined 12 and 12, including a couple o Ophers. So, is it down? I don't know. I just think there, there's more teams that uh, have, have a chance this year to win. From Taylor, at Taylor Ramdas on Twitter, who is the best pure quarterback in Southwest Florida? Now, when I read this question, I think she means, you know, a passing quarterback, a guy that's going to drop yeah. back in the packet, pocket. We, we talked about Willie Neal from Fort Myers, mm-hmm. and I don't think he sh- – from what she means by pure, I don't think Willie Neal is a pure quarterback. Right. He's a guy that's not going to play quarterback in college. Right. He's going to he's going to be a slot receiver or something like that. We're talking about drop back passer. Can move a little bit, I'm yeah. sure, but more of the drop back passer. I can't speak too much for Lee County cuz I haven't seen a lot of the guys. I think in in Collier who comes to mind the best passer and a guy that's dropping back is a uh, R.J. Rosales there in Immokalee, a guy that we've given way too much love here on the podcast, so I'll give him some more. Best passer, there's also a kid who I'm looking for, and we'll get to this when we get to maybe breakout stars, FBA quarterback Brady Dean, a kid who has the lineage, who can throw it real well. His dad was Terry Dean, who was a Heisman Trophy candidate there at the University of Florida playing for Steve Spurrier, so I think he's going to be a great passer as well. I'm glad you talked about Brady because 
if you left them out, I was going to quickly <laughs> jump in and say, this kid's got the chance to be very special, right. I think. In Lee County, I'm going to go to ECS. This is an 0-3 team, so not exactly prime time. Right. And they play SFCA this week, which should be an interesting game. But you got Logan Perlman, who's a senior quarterback, three-year starter. He's six foot four. He's he, I think he has all the tools. I think it's just a matter of him being a small school quarterback. And we always pose the question about whether a small school quarterback can cut it in like a 6A, 7A. I think right. that Logan Perlman could start anywhere in this county. And so far he's got 672 passing yards with four TDs. Well, Again, that that kind of size, I mean, you're 6'4". Yeah, you're going to start most places, no matter if you're at a small school or a big public school. Well, I think in terms of offers, he doesn't have the offers because he plays at a smaller school right. and he has to prove himself a little more. But, yeah, I would say Logan Perlman's probably one of the best quarterbacks we've had, pure quarterbacks we've had in Lee County in quite some time. Moving on, we've got Rod Hunter at, I don't know what it is. Lights out. Lights out. There it is. I couldn't say it. And our friend Sandy in NMB. What does that stand for? That is North Myrtle Beach. Don't you have some family in North Myrtle Beach? Sandy Regan is my mother. Oh, so, okay. yes, that that is that is that is her. There's that mom talk we talked about. So Sandy, uh, like Amy Fisher, Sandy Regan is my biggest big fan, fan of the podcast. Yeah. She she thinks you're swell too. Good. By the way, Thank you, Sandy, and they would like to know: Are there any ex- unexpected breakout stars this early in the season? Well, Rod Hunter, I'm going to stop you there real quick because Rod is asking this question for a reason. He happens to be Rashawn Hunter's Makes father. Sense. I'm sorry, Rod. We were all expecting Rashawn. I was going to say he doesn't qualify. He's not an unexpected star. We're going to talk plenty about Rashawn Hunter throughout throughout the podcast, but he's not an unexpected star. I'm going to go with Adarian Robinson. He's a running back, linebacker from Riverdale. Every game I've seen him this season, he's either had a he's had a sack, a fumble recovery, and a bunch of rushing yards. He's averaging 95 rushing yards per game. It's just. This kid is always around the ball. He and that's what coaches love. They love that ball hawk. He's a leader on the team. He's just a junior. I think he has the opportunity to be a defensive player of the year for the news press this year. So fantastic. A kid and, and Collier, I've already mentioned, Brady Dean has done really well for First Baptist. And his kind of counterpart there is Thomas Casey, the running back. First Baptist always has a very heavy uh, rushing attack. They've had that Joe Sparacio, who's now at Boston College. He was there the past few years. He's graduated. Taking over the load is Thomas Casey. He's got uh, seven touchdowns. And then at Golf Coast, Justin Matia, a quarterback we've talked about plenty of times. He's done really well, better than I think we all expected. Well, I've got a couple more, actually. Sure. Uh, I think when my mother and Rod Hunter were asking the question, they said breakout stars. Um, with an S. With yeah. the plural. So I'm going to run through Caden Baker, defensive lineman from SFCA. This kid is huge. He's got great pedigree. His father played at Florida State. His brother, I think, is at Fairmont State right now. Just a huge family. Last week he had 14 tackles, two forced fumbles, two sacks in a game against CSN where they won that game. And then you got Quantavius Brown, another running back from Riverdale. He's got 458 rushing yards so far, six TDs. And then you got Cape Coral quarterback Parker Odell. We didn't mention him in the pure quarterback segment because I think he's more of that dual threat. He's got seven total TDs on the season, and he's always a threat to throw downfield 
or pull the ball down and run with it. Well, that'll do it for the question segment. If you guys want to get at us and, and have your question answered, you can hit us up on Twitter. I am at NDN underscore Adam. And I'm NP underscore Adam Regan. And when we come back, we're going to have predictions for week four of the high school football season. For the most in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, go to NaplesNews.com and News-Press.com. Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Zone. On Twitter, NPHS Sports and NDN underscore Prep Zone, or download our apps. It's prediction time. We're going to look at the big games coming up in week four of the high school football season. We're going to tell you who we think we're going to win. First off, last week, I went a resounding 8-2 and two for the second week in a row, and for the second week in a row, Mr. Adam Regan went 6-4, and four, and I felt a little bad because I only picked uh, two winners that I thought were going to win just to go opposite of you, and now i got a two-game lead. Contrarian always pays off. That's true. That's true. So let's get into it. Ten games we're looking at this week. First up, we got Bishop Vero at First Baptist. This is a fun matchup. It's the first time these schools have played two uh, strong parochial school programs in southwest Florida. What do you think there, Mr. Adam? I think this is a really big test for Bishop Vero. They go and they beat Lakeland Christian last week, which mm-hmm. is a power in that particular classification. It's going to be tough to go down to First Baptist against Brady Dean, who's such a prolific quarterback. I'm going to take First Baptist in this one, but I do want to give props to Bishop Vero. Like I said, they beat Lakeland Christian last week, which was a big win, but they showed a little bit of sportsmanship, I think, after the game. You had Lakeland Christian quarterback Ryan Overstreet broke his leg wow. as they were as Lakeland Christian was driving down the field for a possible game-winning drive. And I guess this is a really tough moment for Ryan because he felt the need to go out on Twitter and show a little bit of appreciation for the Bishop Vero team, who, after a big win, after the game, their first thought was not to, you know, storm the field, you know, throw their helmets up in the air because that was a big win their their first thought was to go join ryan overstreet over on the other sideline and show a little bit of support for him they asked if they could pray with him there were a couple pictures on twitter of the two teams praying together so i i give a lot of props to bishop Vero. moving on adam who you got in that game well, yeah, very classy move by Vero. Now, you say it's a test for Vero. I think it's a test for First Baptist because they are stepping up in class. First Baptist 2A, Bishop Vero is 4A. They've got a few more guys, a lot of talent. I'm going to take Bishop Vero just because I've seen uh, you know, that big one last week, and they've got Terry Lindsay there at the running back. So I'm going to take Bishop Vero on the road. Another local team going on the road, Cape Coral going to Port Charlotte. Both these very good teams, teams that have uh, had very good starts to the season. Both of them are 3-0. and Both 3-0, and both undefeated. Who's going to take the loss first? Well, for Cape, they're 3-0, and but their opponent's records in the first three games of the season is a combined 1-7. and It's a pretty soft schedule to start the year. And Port Charlotte actually has had a pretty soft schedule to start the year. They both played South Fort Myers and both beat South Fort right. Myers. I've got Port Charlotte and their enormous offensive line. I also have Port Charlotte playing at home. Port Charlotte, a team with high expectations, and I think they crept into the uh, the rankings, the AP poll this week. So I'm going to take Port Charlotte. 
the big one of, of teams that we didn't expect to be winless right now, Immokalee at Dunbar. Last year, both these teams were 3-0. and This year, they're 0-3. Who's going to win? Somebody's going to be 0-4. That's true. And that's going to be that's going to be real tough. I've been going back and forth in this one, but I will take Immokalee and R.J. Rosales. From what I've seen from Dunbar thus far this season is – they can't score in bunches, and I think in order to beat Immokalee, you have to score in bunches. So I've got Immokalee. This game's going to be so close that I was waiting for you to pick just so I could go against you as I did last week. So I'm going to take Dunbar just for fun. I think they are still very talented. I think Immokalee's a little bit down. Dunbar can win this game. A game that I think we're both going to pick on the same side is Fort Myers at South Fort Myers, undefeated versus winless. Who wins this one? Well, South Fort Myers... They've got some stuff to figure out before district play starts because they play in a three-team district, and yep. I think it's up for grabs, despite Riverdale's strong start. But I'm going to go with Fort Myers. I think they win big. Agree. Fort Myers, very good. South Fort Myers, a little bit down. Now, a, a big uh, district battle, Mariner at Cypress Lake, two teams that have, have aspirations of winning a district championship. Who gets on the right path right now? Can Cypress Lake stop Rashawn Hunter? That's going to be the main thing. And does Mariner's supporting cast step in? They've got Cade Reynolds and Taven Ward, who are other running backs who've had big games in the past. And then you got Richard Morant on defense. But I'm going to say Cypress Lake wins this one at home in a close one. And I want to go against you, but I really do like Cypress Lake and what they've been able to do, especially even last week, losing by three touchdowns, but still a good showing at uh, Fort Myers. I'm going to take Cypress Lake. Next up, LaBelle at Oasis. Another battle of undefeateds, right? Yeah, this is a... a kind of surprising undefeateds. This is a shootout in the making. Both of these teams have scored and haven't been stopped really all season. It's really a matter of LaBelle quarterback Bryce Hall and running back... Maynard Blackman versus Oasis quarterback Daniel Rennie and wide receiver Jaheed Marcus. I don't know who to pick in this. It's a game of two 3-0 teams, so I am going to flip a coin. Okay, what'd that coin say? Oh, he's well, actually I'm going to do it right now. Fans. Oh, my God, this is so not I've a stunt. So I've got heads LaBelle, tails Oasis. All right. And hit my laptop. Here we go, gentlemen. What does it say? It is a heads. So I'm going LaBelle. I also do not need to flip a coin. I just like LaBelle. So I'm going to take LaBelle also. Astero at Palmetto Ridge. Astero got a big win last week. Palmetto Ridge still looking for its first victory of the season. Of course, the Bears are at home. Who's going to win this one? I think Palmetto Ridge gained a little bit of momentum by holding North to 15 points. Yeah. I think that defense needed that. I'm going to go Palmetto Ridge at home. I agree. Uh, Palmetto Ridge showed me some things last week, especially after a big loss in uh, week one or week two, whenever it was. Palmetto Ridge for me as well. Naples at Gulf Coast, the only all-Collier County game of the week. Again, like I said, Gulf Coast has never beaten Naples. Is this their time? Do the Sharks win? No. So you're going Naples? Absolutely. Absolutely. For me as well, I will take Naples. St. Petersburg, Lakewood at Baron Collier. We've talked all about Baron Collier and Lakewood. What's your pick? I don't think Lakewood is as good as their 2-1 and one record says they are. Like I said, they've been outscored on the season. 62-71. to 71. I've got Baron Collier going to 2-1. and one. I agree. I think Baron Collier is going to win this at home. And we've seen some of these St. Pete teams just not really look as good as they do on paper. As, as, paper, as you, paper Tigers. As you said so efficiently over there. And our final game of the week 
Laley at 0-2 is going to Clewiston. That's a long way to travel. That's a, a kind of a tough place to play. Who wins this one? I've got Laley in this one. Clewiston just hasn't looked good this season. And you're right, that's a tough place to play. That's what the only reason I gave any kind of consideration to Clewiston this week. I've got Laley. You know, I saw Laley last week, and we mentioned, you know, teams that kind of rely on the big play. They're basically just are waiting for Henderson Francois to break off a big run, and, and he can do it. Um, even if he does it twice, I think Clewiston has the uh, ability to win at home in that stadium, which I like so much. I'm going to take Clewiston. Well, that'll do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and stick with us on Friday nights where we got you covered. We've got live updates from every game. We'll have photos and videos as soon as the games are finished over at NaplesNews.com slash PrepZone and also at News-Press.com. For Mr. Adam Regan, I'm Adam Fisher, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download every Thursday at noon to get you ready for the coming week's games.